2: Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. Before we get started here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, let me tell you about Football Insider, our text subscriber service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns, news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club, and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what, though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider?
3: I, I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great.
2: There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with. Uh, The The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups.
3: I I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it.
2: If I'm at work or something I need a quick break, I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I
1: get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up.
2: So if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Hey everybody, welcome to our post-game edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby, and I'm joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you?
0: I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing?
2: Doing well. Now we are going to, as we go along here, have some uh, some football insiders jump in and, and chat with us. We're going to get joined by some of our other uh, Browns team as we go. But first, to kick things off, Mary Kay, let's just talk about this game. The Browns, 34 to 20, winners over the Washington football team. Uh, My instant reaction to this game, uh, my post that I put up was that this team is very much a work in progress, Mary Kay, and it was evident today, but at the same time, look, a win's a win, and you're 2-1, so you can't really complain about that part.
0: Yeah, I I think um, basically what happened here was, uh, you know, the the offense really kind of started to struggle, especially the passing game. You know, maybe Baker didn't have his best game, even though he ended up with a a pretty good rating and two touchdowns and things like that. Uh, But they started to falter a little bit there in the third quarter. But the defense just came through for them. And that's what you need to do. You need one unit to bail out another when you start to struggle. And the defense was just – lights out in this game with five takeaways now one of them was at the tail end of the first half nothing that you know the offense really could cash in on but uh, the rest of those takeaways they got three touchdowns off of them and they got uh, three a field goal so 24 points off of these five takeaways I mean my goodness you're gonna win the game probably 99% of the time uh, when you're plus five in the turnover ratio, and obviously that was the difference here today.
2: This, this was sort of a reverse of what Washington has done really leading into this game. They, they really took advantage of some turnover luck, had some short fields. It's why they came back against Philadelphia. The Browns really returned that favor today. Uh, and, you know, look, the offense was not pretty. You know, Baker really did struggle. But when your defense gives you those opportunities to take advantage of it, that, that's really what matters. You, you've got to be able to do that. And, and I thought that that was, you know, that's a sign of progress for this team. This, this team is still figuring things out. This was only their third game. So for them to be able to turn those turnovers into points, which isn't something we've always seen, is it, huge.
0: Right, and they started all of those drives in Washington Territory, so that was really, really key. They were starting at the 28, the 24, the 35, the 41, and you're right, they turned them into points. Some of the reasons they turned them in the point, into points were, of course, uh, the really hard running of, of Nick Chubb, you know, and some Kareem Hunt and a great catch by, by Kareem and things like that. So, uh, you know, that had a lot to do with it too. Nick had one of those days where he – you know, strapped the team onto his back and just said, you know, whatever else we might not be doing well offensively, perhaps today, uh, I'm going to put this team on my back and carry it. How many times, and, and how many times have we seen Nick do that before? Not mm-hmm. only does he carry the team on his back, he carries other defenders on his back. My goodness, he's an absolute joy to watch.
2: Yeah, and, and I think that's the other thing that stood out to me today is, is there's some clear things that this team does well that they can lean on. Running the ball is one of them. Miles Garrett is another. This is the second straight game where he had a strip sack. You know, this one really helped put this football game away. Uh, and it, it, was, it was a more impressive play, even than the one against Cincinnati. Uh, but the way this team finished today, kind of able to rely on their strengths, the pass rushers get after it, and then, you know, with those running backs do their work, that's a really encouraging sign as well.
0: Yeah, it, it really is. And you know what? Miles Garrett came into this season determined to make those game-changing plays. And we were critical of him. We've been very critical of him for not making enough of those plays, for not uh, getting the takeaways, for not, you know, just you walk away from the game and who are we going to be talking about today? And now on two occasions, back-to-back, we're walking out of a game talking again about Miles Garrett. And that's what you have to have from that guy. Now, having said that, I will say, we have to mention that Chase Young was not in this football game for most of the game. Think about the fact that if the Browns didn't have Miles Garrett in this game, it makes a difference when your best defensive player is not in the game. They not only lost Chase Young early on to a groin injury for the game, but they also lost uh, Matt Ioannidis uh, and, and, you know, another really good defensive player. Now the Browns aren't going to feel too sorry for them because they're down so many defensive players on their own, including Denzel Ward didn't get to play the whole game because of the groin injury and whatnot. Uh, But still, you know i do think that it it helped i i thought going into this game the guy who could wreck it absolutely wreck it uh for the washington i mean for yeah for the washington football team was going to be chase young and i think it was a tremendous break for the browns that he sat out most of the game
2: absolutely now for those of you that just jumped in the zoom here uh i know some of you have turned on your video if you can just wait for a minute here uh, we're doing a, about 10 minutes here off the top, and then uh, Mary Kay will go and, and start doing some writing, and then we'll have some of our other Browns team jump in uh, for the rest of our, our Zoom call here as well, and you guys will get to have your say uh, on the game when, uh, when we get to that point. But uh, Mary Kay, let's talk about Baker Mayfield. Uh, I thought you know, this was not a great performance really at the start. I, I felt like the pressure kind of got to him a little bit. But then, look, he made, a, he made two big throws. Uh, on on that drive that ended in the Harrison Bryant touchdown it was a must-have drive he had the third down throw to Odell and then he had the touchdown throw to Harrison Bryant on the move it it was a really excellent throw Uh, you know so that that's also good to see from Baker that when they needed him to make some plays he was able to I'm still not sure you know we saw everything we needed to see from him but we at least saw some good things there towards the end.
0: Yeah, and you know what, I I agree with you, Dan, and I think what's happening here right now is I think Baker is feeling his way and learning his way in this offense. Okay, it's all new to him. He's still, uh, you know, just trying to, uh, you know, assimilate new terminology, new footwork, new everything. And while he's coming up that learning curve, because that's the truth of what's happening here. Uh, other people are coming through for him. You're right. He did make a couple of big time plays, a big time throws. The one to Odell was was huge, and of course, you've got an amazing receiver like Odell coming through and helping you make that play. Uh, you know, and there were a couple of those. But you're right. The touchdown pass uh, to Harrison Bryant that was clutch. That was a money. That was a money play, and you do need those plays from Baker. But I could I could sense in his post game interview that he he really wasn't happy with his that happy with his performance today I think he knows uh, that he needed some of those short fields for these guys uh, to win this game and that that he has to pick it up a notch he had some things that he wasn't happy with like you know the intentional grounding and uh, a few other plays like that where uh, you know where he he took a sack uh, and, and he needs to ID things a little bit better so Baker has to play better than this going forward but if you can collect a few victories while he's kind of getting it together that's important
2: okay uh, the Browns defense let's spend some time on them and, and then we'll let you uh, we'll let you get out of here uh, all those turnovers still how how would you grade the defensive performance today? I guess is the question because the turnovers obviously you love them some of that is can be a little fickle and look a lot of that was Dwayne haskins gave them some opportunities through the, through the ball right to them and you got to take advantage of that when he does it but still uh, there were still some things I didn't like. It, it seemed like that back seven was a little soft in spots. They gave up some big plays and some long drives to a team that hasn't really been able to put together a lot of long drives. So, uh, you know, you'll, you'll take all those turnovers, you'll take the, the momentum and, and the overall performance, but I guess, how would you grade this defense today?
0: Well, you know what? Anytime you get all of those takeaways, I'm still going to give the defense an A-plus because that is exactly what you need your defense to do. I know what you're talking about. Down for down, there are still some issues, but I think the reason that's happening right now is because there is a lack of continuity and there's so many guys in and out of the lineup. There just hasn't been, hey, here's our defense. Here's who we are. Here's what we look like. Even today, Denzel Ward, they really needed him to play. They wanted him uh, to help shut Terry McLaurin down and he could only make it through part of the game before the groin injury sort of flared up and he wasn't able to finish. So then you got guys in and out to the point where, you know, they had 12 men on the field uh, on, on that one play. And then, you know, the snap after that, they were like still running a guy off. I mean, I still think that there are some issues with a defense that is really, really still banged up, but I can't say enough about getting five takeaways in one football game.
2: You know what I really love about today? The red zone. The Browns are effective in the red zone again. uh, Kevin Stefanski, I think that's one of the areas where he's been really good, uh, with the exception of what happened against Cincinnati when they just kind of ran the ball straight ahead for straight plays. He's been really good in the red zone, getting this team schemed up to get in the end zone in those situations. And, And I don't need to tell Browns fans, that's an area last year that was just nothing but frustration for this offense and this football team.
0: Uh, yes. And you know what? And Kevin Stefanski was very quick uh, to give Bill Callahan a lot of credit for some of that. And I, I think that uh, I really believe that, that he deserves obviously that credit because when you're going to be scoring in the red zone like that, you have to be drawing it up a certain way and you have to be, you know, scheming it up. So, and, and Nick Chubb, I mean, my goodness, you can't say enough about Nick Chubb's performance, um, but you also have to have good play calls down there and and I think that these guys are all contributing in a way where you know they know how to score the football they're experienced really good coaches and they're doing a nice job there
2: and it's also nice when you have your backup running back making one-handed catches like Odell Beckham Jr that was that had to be the catch of the year right
0: that was an amazing catch, and that is what Kareem Hunt is capable of. And I just asked Kareem that this, you know, how, how fun is it for you guys, uh, you know, just to do what you're doing? The one-two punch of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and it involves, again, Nick, you know, just bobbing and weaving and plowing his way through and, you know, breaking tackles and putting guys on his back and getting into the end zone. And then you see Kareem over there making a one-handed spectacular catch like that. Uh, And, you know, this is still a good defense, even though they uh, were without a couple of their guys, this is still a really good Washington defense. So you just can't take away anything from their performance.
2: All right, Mary Kay, we will let you go. Uh, We're going to let you start doing some writing. I'll be joining you there shortly, but I'm going to stick around and and, uh, do our post game show for a little while longer here. Uh, We'll get right to that. Mary Kay, thanks for joining us.
0: Okay, thanks. Thanks all to our uh, tech subscribers too. Have fun.
2: All right, so here we are on the Orange and Brown Talk Football Insider Post Game Show. And perfect timing, Scott Patsko is jumping in the room right now. So I wanna let you guys know at this point, uh, if you wanna jump in and raise your hands, go ahead and use that raise hand function. You click on participants if you're on your laptop. And it will show up in the panel that slides in on the right. And then also, uh, if you are on your phone, you can – here, I'm going to make Scott a co-host. I'm a little distracted here. If you're on your phone, you can – I believe it's three dots on the bottom right. You can click on, and that will give you the opportunity to to jump in and share your thoughts on the Browns' uh, victory over the Washington football team. I'm still having trouble saying that. A question came in through the chat. That's another way that you can uh, you can chat with us as well. What's it like in the stadium and I'll I'll be honest with you. You know, I I guess I haven't really noticed it other than visually you see, you know, you're only seeing about 6000 fans. But, uh, you know, we have fans right in front of us in the press box, we can hear them, we can see them. Uh, It it seems like the 6000 make a pretty good amount of noise. There's been a lot of energy. Uh, it's it's been it's been fun to see browns fans in the stands uh watching these games all right scott Patsco is on he is unmuted he's on video scott uh, what your thoughts here on on this win by the browns
4: uh well i have no idea what you've said so far but i have to imagine it was maybe a little bit underwhelming uh i mean it was it was like i wrote after the game they, the browns seemed to borrow the playbook that washington used in week one you know, let the other team uh, implode and take advantage of it. And, you know, to their credit, they did. They, they took advantage of all those turnovers. They didn't have to do as much on offense. Um, it was a weird game because you thought it was going to be strength versus strength as far as the lines went, Brown's offensive line versus Washington defense. And I think both of them might be able to claim somewhat of a victory to an extent. Uh, early in the, you know, the first half, Baker Mayfield was under pressure a lot. Uh, Washington had some notable injuries then and uh, late in the game, the Browns were able to start running the ball. Finally, they, they really couldn't do that in the first half, not a lot of uh, success, you know, early downs. And they ended up in second and long third and long and, um, but they got that taken care of and and did what they had to. It really helps when you have short fields to to work with. And, you know, this is just a grinded out game. And I, I, I found a stat afterwards, Baker Mayfield threw for less than 200 yards He's four and nine when he does that. He's one and one this year, but this is the first time he's ever thrown for under 200 yards and actually completed 60% of his passes and won the game. It was just a weird, a weird stat day for the Browns.
0: <laughs>
2: um, a question from, from the chat uh, from Zach P is, is this a big win? I feel like it's a good win, but Washington is, is likely going to end up in the tank. The offense looked good, but the defense has continued to struggle. So for anything more than seven, eight wins, the Browns have to stop the scoring. There's a lot there, but I think that's an interesting question. Is this a big win or is this just a win? And honestly, can, I guess if you're a Browns fan, Beggars can't be choosers at this point, right? No. Uh,
4: I think when you haven't been two and one since 2011, you take what you can get. Uh, look, I mean – the Browns have been disappointing for how many years now? Any win's a big win, I think, at this point for a team that, even though they look great on paper, has really struggled in, in translating that into, into victory. So I wouldn't say, like, if you're saying, is this a big win as in must win? I, I mean, it's the third game of the year. But uh, for the Browns to be 2-1 and one at this point is, is good for them, knowing that you have to go uh, and play Dallas next, right? They play Dallas?
2: Yeah, yeah. At, at Dallas. Uh,
4: so, yeah, I mean, you want to be 2-1 going into that, definitely.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're going to be looking back at the end of this season if this team makes the playoffs and say, boy, that win over Washington is the one that got them there. But what we aren't going to be saying is, man, they missed the playoffs. If they only would have taken care of Washington, maybe we wouldn't be, Maybe that one win would have, would have helped them. So it, you've got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and in that regard, this is – you know, it's not a big win, but it's a win, and that's something the Browns haven't gotten because – in the third quarter when Dwayne Haskins, when they scored that touchdown to go ahead, you know, I just got that feeling that I've gotten so many times before, like, oh boy, this team, there's all this momentum. This team's going to end up losing a game they aren't supposed to lose. We talked all about them getting to two and one for the first time since I believe it's 2011, over 500 for the first time since 2014. And they're going to find a way to blow this game. And it's, I think it's a credit to them that they didn't do it.
4: Yeah, it started to – for a while there it felt like, uh, you know, the, the home opener or the season opener last year against Tennessee. It was that game that – and then I realized Tennessee had a successful year, but early on you looked at that game like, man, that's going to become one that that they let get away or just, you know, the fact that they didn't come out and play well on home in that game is going is to burn them. And uh, I think the Jets game uh, the year before that or two years before that was similar. Just these games that you think the Browns should compete in – and they just ended up really struggling. Uh, so yeah, it, it totally could have uh, could have turned out that way. I think uh, everything seemed to shift though. That that drive, the scoring drive that stretched from the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter, they finally seemed to, to kind of hit their stride. They, I think that was eleven plays. Eight of them were runs. They needed that big third down to uh, to Beckham to keep it alive. But that was kind of a it seemed like one of those statement drives. Like we run the ball and we're going to prove that we can run the ball. And then they went out and did it and, uh, and got a touchdown out of it.
2: Yeah. That third and 12 throw is one that I don't think we're going to talk about as much as we should. So we'll, we'll give it some time here uh, with a minute left third and 12 at their own 23. They just lost seven yards. Uh, was that that weird pitch play to Kareem hunt? I can't remember exactly which run that was to hunt, but they lost seven yards. You're looking at third and 12. You just went down 20 to 17 and Baker Mayfield delivers, you know, a strike to Odell Beckham. Um, I I didn't get a great look at the throw and the catch, but, you know, I mean that that's the play that kept that drive going and ultimately set up what was the go ahead touchdown.
4: Yeah. If he's, if he's off on that. um, I mean, there were, Beckham kind of found his spot there uh, in the middle of the defense and and Baker made a good throw, but that's the kind of thing we've seen not connect before. Uh, and, And that was just, that was a big moment in the game. And if they don't connect on that, they're punting and, the way the Browns' defense was playing, you weren't really sure what you were going to get from drive to drive. So, <laughs> so yeah, that ended up being a huge drive, and and that that touchdown really kind of sealed things. I think it was thirty-one to twenty at that point.
2: Ah, uh, uh, yeah, I think that was that was but, the that was the go ahead twenty-four twenty. That was twenty-four, and, and then they had another nice drive um, after that to go up thirty-one to twenty.
4: Yeah, so they you know you have to make those plays if you want to win this game, even if you're struggling and. The offense isn't working the way it's supposed to. If you hit on the key plays, you know, you get an opportunity to prove that that you're the better team and you have more of an offense to to score than the other team does because, man, Washington, although they did show me a little more than they did the first two weeks because they really fed off mistakes from the other team, um, that's just – it's not the kind of offense that should have been making long drives on the Browns today.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I still think that you know that's probably one of the concerns right now is, is sort of what Washington's offense was able to do against this team today, based on like you said what those those first two games showed us. We're going to go to our first uh, question here as soon as I uh, find it. It is Shannon. I'm going to ask you to unmute, and when you're ready, you can uh, get yourself unmuted. You can go ahead. So I was curious. Uh, this, this is about the game, y'all, and uh, but it's kind of from a different point of view, almost from the Washington side. I was curious what y'all were thinking, and if I was just crazy uh, near the end of the game, I think less than four minutes left, three something. They did not use their timeouts. I was very confused by that because it was almost like they were giving up there near the end. And I wonder what y'all would be asking Kevin Stefanski if we were in that same boat, I guess you could say. it just—I know from being a Browns fan for so long, with all the struggles and everything—we stay with them until the clock ticks zero. So you know, I'm just curious. Did, did anybody else notice that, or is that just an observation that maybe I'm I'm all for? Yeah, I think I think I kind of remember what you're talking about. That, um, and if I remember right, Ron Rivera kind of did this against Arizona last week too. It just got to a point where it was kind of let's just get out of here. We're turning the ball over a bunch, and uh, I, I don't think we're going to win this game. So let's get out of here. I, I was a little surprised that they weren't a little more aggressive uh, to try to try and stop the clock there. I don't remember the exact um, the exact series. Maybe it was this one when they started and the Browns started with six and a half minutes left. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, part of it is the I mean, Washington just couldn't slow them down, honestly. And then they gave up that fourth and four uh, neutral zone infraction to give up the first down. It's interesting. I I don't know if it's the drive. I'm thinking when it was 31 to 20, that started at six and a half minutes maybe he was hoping to get the stop and then get the football back within two scores and use those timeouts later around the two minute warning. Uh, but you know, it's nice to be asking questions about the other team doing that as opposed to the Browns.
4: Yeah. That's the, uh, that's something that Chris Spielman actually brought up on the broadcast, uh, about Ravano bear, not using the timeouts. And he, uh, I haven't spent enough time paying attention to Ron Rivera's uh, timeout (laughs) philosophies over the years, but he did say that that is, uh, that is something that you've seen from him before. Um, And I have to believe that he'd rather use them when he has the ball than when the other team has the ball. Uh, Especially if you know that you're going to need multiple scores um, to, uh, to come back at some point. Uh, You know, that's the only thing I can figure it. It was odd to, to see them just sitting on those timeouts though.
2: All right. If you want, if you want to jump in and uh, ask a question, you can do it in the chat. You can use the uh, raise hand function as well, uh, and we'll give you the unmute option, and, uh, and you can fire away with your thoughts on the Browns. 34 to 20 winners, kind of a weird uh, – you know, we've talked about this a lot. It's a good win. You're 2-1. Uh, you got to feel good about that. But, you, you know, there's things that, that worry you, I think, maybe heading to Dallas. Uh, Scott, who would you give a game ball to in this game?
4: Wow. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I might say BJ Goodson, you know, he's, we kind of picked on him. I I know I wrote a critical story about him last week and his coverage abilities, uh, but he had, he had the fumble recovery. He had a pick. Um, So, I mean, he was, he came up when, when they needed him to. I mean, we still saw him not coming through great in coverage today. Um, Carl Joseph too seemed to have miscommunication with Malcolm Smith on on one player, I remember that uh kind of got the ball down near the goal line for Washington. But I think BJ Goodson probably gets a, a game ball today. Um, Nick Chubb definitely. Uh I think he w- he was five point five point six yards a carry, something like that. Uh he he definitely did better against Washington's run defense than any running back had done this year. They held all running backs below uh three yards, three point eight yards a carry combined. So the Browns did manage to get some yards. Uh especially in the second half when they finally got things going. But um, Chubb and, and Goodson probably get the game balls. Uh, Garrett, Miles Garrett coming up with some big plays and uh, kind of making a difference down the stretch. I think he should get one too.
2: Yeah, I, I actually wanted to uh, – I was trying to ask Miles Garrett this in, in the Zoom, but I unfortunately failed in my, my Zoom skills in this particular instance and couldn't get myself unmuted. Uh, but I wanted to ask him if that's like one of those moments as a pass rusher that you just – you're up a couple scores. He hasn't had a lot of opportunities like that in his career with this football team to go in there and, and finish, uh, finish that drive. And I think that's probably the most – the thing I take away from this is how the Browns finished this game. Not, not that they played well. You know, the third quarter was a mess. You know, I, I think when we go back and rewatch this game and really dig into it, there's going to be things we see that we don't like. But the fact is when they got that lead, the defense did their part to finish it. B.J. Goodson, you mentioned him. And then the offense did what they did a couple Thursdays ago against Cincinnati. They finished the game. They, they didn't give Washington a chance to, to come back, get back in the game. And, and that's what you have to learn to do when you're a young team that hasn't won a lot. You, you've got to finish these games like this, especially in your home stadium.
4: Yeah. I think Stefanski has to be happy that they've kind of faced some adversity in their wins. Uh, they had, you know, the Bengals kind of just coming at them down the stretch and they kind of held that off and, and then, you know, they go down today and, and, and they come back. It would be a different story if maybe they'd blown out the Bengals and, and really kind of gotten a big lead on Washington this week because then you still don't really know, can this team respond when it has to? And I know that obviously everybody would probably prefer blowout wins. <laughs> uh, but still, you know, you, you learn, I think, a little more about your team in games like this um, because, like you said, we're going to, you know, you re things, you're going to see things that are bad that, that maybe you missed the first time and you'll have to address going forward, but at least now you know, and you're not going into week four wondering what happens if we go down by, you know, go down late against Dallas, what's, how is this team going to respond? So now they got a good idea of how that works.
2: Uh, in, the, in the chat, somebody asking for an update on Austin Hooper. He did get dinged a little bit, but he came back into the game. Uh, so he was still out there. And Zach, P wants to give a game ball to the entire offensive line. Um, you know, Jedrick Wills had some hiccups today. He had the false starts. Uh, But he also had a key block on on that Nick Chubb touchdown run, uh, really cleared out that other side. Uh, Wyatt Teller, who was the subject of uh, Friday's Watch the Tape, or one of the subjects, uh, it seemed like he had another good game today. Again, they were running behind him a lot. Uh, So the offensive line, I thought Baker had time today against this pass rush, even when Chase Young was still out there. Even on a couple of the sacks, I I thought he had some time. So uh, they, they certainly deserve some credit here. Uh, with, with how they did. Ellis Williams has uh, has jumped in. Uh, before we bring Ellis in, I'm going to go to someone who raised their hand here. It's Ken. I'm going to ask you to unmute. And once you uh, hit that unmute button, you should be good to go, Ken. Yeah, hey, good. Um, I was just curious if you guys were paying attention to uh, the guys that came back this week. I didn't hear their names much, uh, and that would be Kevin Johnson and um, – and Mac, and neither one of them I did I hear their name very much
3: but do you think they made a difference being back in there uh, and then how about uh,
2: the guy from Jacksonville Harrison did he uh, play much today so uh, just a c- kind of a defensive uh, look at it yeah for sure um, so I guess we'll start with Kevin Johnson I didn't see him out there a lot I did see him a couple times but MJ Stewart was out there that's somebody we haven't talked about a lot but Scott, I mean, you're there nodding. We did, we did get a look at MJ Stewart a little bit today.
4: Yeah, uh, all these guys on defense, and uh, I, wasn't, I was watching from home, so it's, it's more difficult to track defensive players than it is offensive players, as you might, you might realize watching the game. But I know that uh, it was very – we got a very – we didn't see a lot of those guys. <laughs> we saw uh, Harrison a little bit. Um, I remember Mack being out there. Uh, I believe it was the second defensive drive. I think so. um, and he went into coverage and, and got burned by McLaurin and then we didn't see much of Mac uh, anymore after that, at least <laughs> that I noticed. So I think today seemed maybe get those guys a little taste because you're right. We did see Stuart more, it seemed than, than Johnson. Um, maybe, you know, they're, they're ramping things up. I felt like we saw more of Ronnie Harrison though, than we have in the first two games. I think he only had six defensive snaps through two weeks. So anything was going to be a, a jump, um, but I don't come away from this game thinking that any of those guys made a huge contribution to this win. Um, maybe more so because most of those guys are in the secondary and the secondary continues to struggle.
2: Javier Thomas apparently got some love on the broadcast, according to one of our uh, one of our chatters. So a uh, little bit of a bounce back, I guess, for, for old Javier. Uh, he, he did. He did recover probably the key fumble of the game when Carl Joseph almost gave that interception back. Uh, you to can watch see it. that
4: coming though, right? You could see that fumble coming. The longer you <laughs> you right. knew it was coming. And, and to have it
2: happen to a, a big offensive lineman forcing it, uh, that makes it even worse. All right, Ellis is here. Uh, Ellis, I'm going to ask you, what I asked Mary Kay, what I asked Scott, uh, the Browns 34 to 20 winners. I guess, what did you think? A, w- a win's a win? Were, were you happy with the performance? Do, do you want to see more? Just your thoughts on, on your kind of feeling when that clock hits zero.
3: Yeah, well, I'm going to come in here and give a stat that no one's talking about, I'm sure, the Browns, 24 points off turnovers, right? I mean, is anyone talking about that? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Of course, that's the game, um, but the goal of this is to give you guys more that, but in short, I mean, when the Browns are working with that short of a field, three plays, 28 yards and a touchdown, another turnover, three plays, 24 yards, touchdown, the defense made the offensive life very easy today, but the biggest takeaway I think from this game is that this team is going to be able to run the ball against anyone. I wondered with the Baltimore game and how are they going to fare against really talented defenses running the ball? Cause that's what they want to do. If they cannot establish a run this team's identity goes out the window, right? Well, they proved today that they're going to be able to do this against anyone in the league, or at least I would bet my money on that going forward, that it does not matter who they're facing. As long as they stay close or play with a lead, even they're going to be able to run on any team in, in football. Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb did it once again. We talked at length about Wyatt Teller uh, in this offensive line. I got to watch the tape, as you already mentioned. And this unit is, again, I, I said it on that podcast, and I'm going to keep saying it. They, the Browns have one of the best offensive lines in football, one of the best units, one of the best coached units, one of the best schemed up running attacks in this league. And that was really impressive today. Um, also, I think one thing that we really need to talk about, um, this team's red zone success. It's extremely impressive to see them going three for four uh, in the red zone and just the way Kevin Stefanski is able to scheme players open. And then head off to Baker Mayfield, too. Uh, Dan, I really liked your tweet about that throw that Baker had. You were 100% accurate about that. That's an impressive throw. Baker has always uh, been talented and continues to show that when he rolls right, um, it's, it's the one way he can extend plays. When he's rolling to his right, he's just as dangerous in the po- as he is in the pocket and sometimes more dangerous, uh, and he showed that on that touchdown. Um, because here's the thing with red zone offense. It's, it takes a good team, good coaching, good schematics, and discipline. The margin for error there is so short that you can't make a mistake. So that's what I find interesting with this team, that they're having problems moving the ball between the 20s yeah, they're successful in the red zone. And a lot of times that's opposite. Teams can get yards and chunk plays, but then they go to the red zone and fizzle out. And Browns fans saw that last year. Um, but it's, it's really a good sign for this team that their red zone success is what it is. Kevin Stefanski becoming um, a gotta-have-it play guy that I think Browns fans can count on, you know, those third downs and fourth downs and red zone plays that is going to put them in a good spot. Um, and then I'll end with this. This team has a real shot at making the playoffs now. And I, I did not feel that way before today. Um, but when you can run the ball like that, and you have success in the red zone, and it's now going into week four, they have to be in the mention now of, of a wild-card playoff type of team.
2: Well, and, and that's something that um, Scott and I were talking about before you got on here because somebody asked, is this a big win? And what we kind of agreed to was, that's well, not really a big win, but you know what you're not going to be doing is looking back at the end of the year if you're 8-8 eight and eight, and you're, you're watching the playoffs instead of playing that first weekend. You're not going to look back and say, man, I wish, I wish this team would have beaten Washington. Right. You, you beat a team you were supposed to win, and you did it on a day when maybe you weren't at your best. Now, I, don't, I see Doug lingering in here uh, waiting to come on as well. So, Doug, whenever you want to jump in, uh, feel free to uh, unmute yourself and turn your video. There he is. I knew it wouldn't take much to get Doug on here. I feel like I'm invading here. This is like the uh, <laughs> – I'm invading the, the Sunday version of, of watch the tape. Or got to watch the tape, I should say. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I mean – the, the very fact that you beat a team you're supposed to beat, maybe you didn't play your best ball today, but you're not going to regret this game in the end. Sometimes, sometimes a win really is just a win. Sometimes, sometimes you yeah, just it, look it, at it like that.
3: Yeah, and, and Dan, uh, playoff teams or good football teams beat the teams they're supposed to beat. You know, you got to beat the bad teams at home. It, it, it's that simple. And they did that today, and they did so handily due to a lot of Dwayne Haskins' interceptions.
2: Okay, so uh, once again, if you're you're sitting here watching before we bring Doug in and you got something you want to say, you can throw it in the chat, you can uh, Raise your hand with that raise hand function, the participants button down on the bottom will open up a panel to the right, you click on raise hand, or uh, you can, if you're on your phone, I believe it's three dots down on the bottom right, uh, that you can click to raise your hand as well uh, to get involved as we go. Doug. I asked Ellis this, I asked Scott this, I asked Mary Kay this. The clock hits zero, the Browns are 34 to 20 winners. What are you thinking?
1: So I'm just finishing my column now about the joys of complaining about a win. (laughs) This is what good teams do, right? This is what, like, hey, like, they won, but. When's the last time anybody who's a Browns fan got to say they won, but? this is your future if everything goes right it's like yeah well you know Dwayne Haskins was throwing it right to the Browns right all the things Washington handed this game to the Browns and they took it now is this going to be good enough against Dallas and anybody you know no but this is isn't this wonderful this is a new experience for Browns fans in half a decade this is what like Patriots fans you know how many times in the last 20 years Patriots fans won and they were like, yeah, but Brady's completion percentage is only 58. Oh my God. It's like the greatest thing you can do as a, as a sports fan is complain about your team's wins. So congratulations to everybody complain all week. Ask yourself. It'll be, if it'll be good enough against Dallas and, and ride that two and one baby. Yeah. Think about,
4: think about how often the Browns have been on the other side of that too. They've, They've been in a game where the team that they weren't supposed to beat played poorly. And it happened often against Pittsburgh. And yet they still couldn't get the job done. You know, now they, they're kind of – they're the other team now. They're the team that can maybe not play their best, but still, you know,
2: still they grind out a win. I, I watched this team go, what, like plus six against Pittsburgh or plus five one year in turnovers and they came away with a tie? So, My, uh,
1: Miles Garrett brought that up in the postgame, which, like, which is a stunning point. Like that's in Miles Garrett's head. Uh, that, wow. you know hey we're plus five he remembers being plus five and tying so yeah th- this <laughs> is progress man
2: uh a couple things in the chat before we we go on here uh Roma, roman says he's very impressed with adrian claiborne and terrence mitchell hey shout out to terrence mitchell they've needed him this year i mean they've actually needed him ever since he signed here uh he won that starting job that first year and you know with denzel really unable to finish the game today uh, you know they they really needed him to step up and, and he made some good plays shout out to him and Adrian Claiborne certainly has, has been a nice addition. What I like about Adrian Claiborne is we see them kind of move him around which I wonder is if, if that was sort of the appeal of signing him because we know they like that versatility on the line so he'll come in and play in that side opposite miles Garrett but then they'll throw him inside on, on passing downs and they'll do some different things with him so yeah definitely a, a credit to those two guys. Scott, I'm going to bring up a tweet from one of your, uh, I don't know, is he your guy? Is he my guy? I don't know. Johnny Stanton, the practice squad fullback. Johnny he actually Stanton. tweeted during the game something along the lines of, we have some good football players. And I, that, that's something else that kind of keeps standing out to me, especially in a game like today. You're not playing your best. So if you have a bunch of good football players, sometimes those guys will just go make plays for you. So Miles Garrett gets that strip sack. Kareem Hunt makes that one-handed catch. Sometimes having good football players really does help, it turns out.
4: Well, on offense, I mean, you know, Dwayne Haskins really helped out the Browns' defense today. I know we've talked a lot about the struggles of the Browns' defense, and maybe there's something to be said for the fact that even though they've had so many injuries, they've been able to do enough to win the last two weeks. But um, I don't know. Any other quarterback other than Dwayne Haskins today? uh, How how many of those teams are – are losing
1: to the Browns. I don't know. God, that was such a good complaint about a win. See,
2: let's do this! I, I let's know. do this! <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, to your point, Doug, that's how a team goes from being a middle-of-the-road NFL team to being a good NFL team to being a really good team to being a team that could maybe go win the Super Bowl one day. You, you make those in. You win games, but you got to figure out how to get better. And I, I think that I honestly think that's sort of how this coaching staff sort of use it too, right? I feel like this week, and it's really hard because we're not there and we're not in the locker room every day, but I just got the vibe this week that, you know, while a lot of Browns fans were celebrating a win over Cincinnati, like it was a Super Bowl and go for it, Browns fans, do what you want to do. I felt like the players were very, they came back from that little mini buy, very focused on okay, now it's time to move on to Washington and go take care of business against Washington. We were supposed to beat Cincinnati. Let's get better and put it behind us. I, I did get that vibe, I thought. And again, it's on Zoom calls. We don't get to actually you know, talk to guys on the side or anything like that. But I did feel like this team wasn't necessarily overplaying that win against Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, it, Doug, go ahead. Go ahead, Doug. No, and, and I think a lot of it like defensively, you can still there's they're still coming along, right? I mean, they still they still don't have everybody back healthy. Denzel played, then he went out, Greedy Williams didn't play. You can still see that there is more they can get to. Olivier Vernon still didn't play right that and, and that's the thing that yeah, they they had a couple passes. I mean, Dwayne Haskins threw it right to him, but they caught him. They didn't drop him when they hit him right in the hands, right? I mean, it's one of those things again. They won today more because of the other team's mistakes, but they are being able, it's one of those things, and we don't realize this. I I, I am very big on this. We in Cleveland, we don't know how to follow an actual NFL football team. And my assumption, and I'm going to have to do some research on this, is that an actual competitive NFL football team that is competitive for 16 weeks, you win a fair share of the games you win by the other team being stupid, dumb, and incompetent. You don't have to be awesome every week. You just have to be less incompetent than the guys on the other side. And this is a perfect example of that. Again, it's not good enough, but it's not like this is the only time this is going to happen this year. There's a lot of teams that suck out there. The Giants and the Jets are left on this schedule. You just have to take them when they're there, but you can see defensively they still should be able to get better, both from experience, Joe Woods' system, and getting healthier.
3: Yeah, Doug. That's exactly it. That the Browns are no longer going to be the team that beats themselves. It looks like, and then that's when your talent just takes over, as Dan said. It's it's a stacked defensive line. They dominated. They've dominated all three weeks. I mean, this is this is going to be a team that is very difficult to run on. Um, I wrote about it a little bit today, and we'll talk about it earlier this week. But teams are going to start combating that by throwing the ball on the perimeter, getting outside runs. I could, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if you see some. Uh, CD Lamb jet sweeps from the Cowboys uh, because you're not going to run straight into Larry Ogunjobi. It's just, it's just a dumb idea. <laughs> and that's something Washington even tried a few times a day and learned the hard way. And then they went back to a game plan of trying to get the ball on the outside. Sheldon Richardson is continues to be an unsung hero in a way. I mean, that guy is just a, a playmaker, a baller. Um, of course, Miles Garrett, Claiborne, Porter Gustin. I mean, the, the Browns are getting to a point where they can play four defensive linemen Um, you know, back when the the Giants made that popular uh, against the Patriots, what, 2011, playing 4D linemen up there. And they can just be more athletic and better than everyone. So you take the talent with the discipline and the good coaching, and then you slowly teach a team how to win and change the culture here. This is going to be a a win to remember in the Kevin Sapansky era, assuming things go the way he's obviously hoping they do.
2: Ellis, I want to jump in and ask you something, because uh, Odell Beckham came up in, in the chat. Uh, and his comments that he made, and I, you guys talked about this. I've got to watch the tape, so I want to bring this up. Four catches, 59 yards, huge third down conversion that, that Scott and I talked about, uh, and also a pass breakup, which was pretty important. Got a little Dikembe Mutombo finger wag after, uh, after he broke that up. Where does this game rank as, as your ideal Odell game? Is it where you expect to, Is there still a little more there? Where, where does this game fit?
3: this, this is the perfect Odell game. And I'll tell you why, because that uh, um, McKembe SWAT you're talking about, that's the deep shot that if it connects, that's the perfect Odell game. Now uh, it's going to be interesting to go back and watch that play on tape because if Baker puts more air under it, you think Odell runs under it and it wins the, the foot race there. But then the TV broadcast cut to Baker and it was like, he was pointing to Odell to flatten his route out is what it looked like. So Again, now we're talking about Baker and Odell chemistry, and that's not the point I'm trying to make. It's just if that play hits, we're talking about Odell's stat line completely differently. His chances are going to be thin, but when he strikes, they're going to be opportune for big plays. And just – I'll end with this. This is a lot – a lot of respect to Odell Beckham for how he's handling this season so far, and how I expect him to continue to handle it. I mean, when Harrison Bryant scored that touchdown, Odell was the first one there celebrating with them. Uh, this is not the offense Odell wants to plan. It's not any. It's not good for his legacy. It's not good for his stat line. It's not good for his fantasy football owners. This is not how you maximize Odell Beckham Jr. And is that sustainable with Odell staying in Cleveland for the long term? That's a whole other topic. But it looks like he's going to be a pro this year and be a team player. And that's not a reputation that was spread about him throughout this league uh, in his Giants days. So hopefully this season, the narrative on Odell starts changing because clearly he's a team guy and the way they're using him is how they're going to maximize the offense, though it does not maximize Odell's abilities.
2: Okay. Let, let's talk Baker. Uh, Cause his name came up in the chat here as well. Uh, this is from Darnell. He says, uh, I'm a Baker supporter. He's very concerned about in year three of his development, he didn't throw the ball away sooner on the intentional grounding. The call there seemed to be ample time to recognize that was the right play on his part. Uh, let's expand this, though, beyond just, just that play. Uh, Baker today, you, you know, made some throws, had the third down conversion to Beckham that we talked about. I thought the throw to Harrison Bryant was a really nice throw on the move. Um, but I'm also just still trying to figure out, what kind of game was this for Baker Mayfield? Statistically, 16-23, of 23, only 156. Scott, you talked about the the under 200. Uh, two touchdowns. He did break the interception streak. His rating was 117.3. At the same time, I was still a little concerned, especially early in the game, with how he handled some of the pressure. I was a little concerned with – I felt like – I'm still wondering, I guess, where some of that pocket presence that we saw so much in 2018 went. Uh, I I just get a little concerned when I see things like that. Um, So, Scott, I'll come back to you on this, and then we'll go around the horn. Good game by Baker? Bad game by Baker? Middle? This is (laughs) – this right here.
4: Doug, this goes in your column, (laughs) man. Baker Mayfield has completed almost 70% of his passes the last two weeks. Today, he didn't throw a touchdown for the first time since, like, week 11 last year. He – Threw for hundred fifty four yards, the fewest yards he's ever thrown for, and actually won a game as a pro. And we're coming out of this game wondering. <laughs> he threw two touchdowns. Two touchdowns today? Two touchdowns, yeah. Touchdowns. Um and we're wondering if, you know, if it was a good game for him. I mean, you know, he I think he did what he had to do. Again, he didn't have to drive this team on, on long scoring drives. He didn't have to make a ton of big throws. I think what we remember is all those second long and third and longs that Uh, Didn't work out so great in the first half, but I think he, he did what he had to do to win. And again, I mean, we're talking about a guy who 16 to 23 the last two weeks, that's, you know, their quarterbacks out there doing a lot worse than that. And I think uh, he's going in the right direction. This is the first time since his rookie year that he's had back to back games with a passer rating over a hundred. So yeah, there's your, there's your uh, complaining about a win.
1: So, I think this is a, a fascinating topic. And uh, our friend Jake Burns was tweeting about this. And I, and I think it's interesting to think about. I think we're all waiting for the day when Baker is a re, is a re the, the, where the Browns win because of Baker. When is that day coming? The way that the Ravens win because of Lamar and the, the Chiefs win because of Patrick Mahomes and the Cowboys win because of Dak Prescott. But in the meantime, it's good when they aren't losing because of him. <laughs> So at the moment, this is like a, he didn't lose it. Dwayne Haskins lost the game for the Redskins, for, the, for Washington, right? So Baker didn't do that. They have enough other good players around him. Miles Garrett made a big play. They ran the ball. The offensive line looks good, right? He made a couple big plays, a third down throw to Odell, a couple other plays when they needed it. He did his job. He wasn't the reason they won, but they won with him. So on the path to winning because of him is winning with him. And that is much better than losing because of him. So ideally, if he's going to be a franchise quarterback, we've got to get to the end game where he's pulling stuff out and he's carrying them. But for now, it's only year three. It's only game. It's only week three with Kevin Stefanski. I'd take this. And I think you can take this for another year or two, right? They don't need, they got Nick Chubb, man. Let, let them win. Cause of Nick Chubb. So I think we all maybe have to understand this progress and it's not about lowering the standards for Baker, but not that I'm going to sound like a coach. It's like, what's the most important stat for Baker Mayfield today? That one in the win column. I mean, it's cheesy crap, except my God, they're two and one, and it's a miracle.
2: But yeah. Doug's just trying to go one and oh every week. Go ahead, Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Doug, Doug, you're not going
3: to like this then. Uh, Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Baker's got 12 games to show that the Browns can win because of him, because it's year three. Protecting him in games like this is possible, but there's going to be games possibly in Dallas next week when Baker is going to have to make the plays that winning quarterbacks do. And if he doesn't show that over these next 12 games and at least a few times, uh, I mean, I'm just keeping it real. The Browns are going to draft a quarterback.
1: You're drunk by the way. That's insane. I'm, I, I, you're I'm, insane.
3: I'm, I'm being honest. With you. Listen, Doug. Listen, Doug, the Browns are going to draft a quarterback in not in the first round. I'm saying I mean, they're not going to Jordan Love this stuff, but you know, somewhere in the middle rounds, three, four, five. Because if Kevin Safansky and Andrew Barry are men of their words, when they're always trying to improve this roster, they're going to pick up talent when they can. And it, the NFL is changing. You you have to have a quarterback that can extend plays and make things happen when the rest of the, the original play call doesn't work. And Unless Baker's rolling right, he isn't that guy yet, and the Browns can build a perfect team around him. But it like that look look the out route to Odell Beckham that he just completely sails and misses. That th- those throws you can't if you're missing that, then what are you exactly?
1: I would like to note that we have moved in this post game podcast an hour removed from the Browns having a winning record for the first <laughs> time in six years. We have moved from complaining about the win to preparing to replace the starting quarterback who was part of the win. I, so, I, I, I'm say, I'm say, let's not do this now. We have a whole season to do this. This hey. is not what the people want to hear in a post-game podcast when they're 2-1. and one, I promise you that. We have plenty of time on Gotta Watch the Tape to delve into <laughs> whether the Browns are going to draft a quarterback in the fourth round to challenge Baker Mayfield. I'm not, gonna, I'm not completely disagreeing with you, but for right now, I think, and we've talked about it, this kind of thing can work in the right situations, is it going to beat the chiefs? No, it's not going to beat the chiefs, but it yeah, won
3: today. No, that's, that's fine. And I understand the fans want positive and all that shiny stuff, but I'm the one who's going to say it first year and just, that's fine. And we, we can dead that topic, but this organization is going to improve this roster when it can. And if there's a quarterback there that is sexier than Baker Mayfield, that's how this team, it takes the next step. Unless Baker shows something in these next 12 games. That was the question I answered it and we can run this back. <laughs>
2: A year or two from now.
0: Uh,
2: two names that came up in the in the chat regarding uh, Baker Mayfield's game today: Kirk Cousins. That's my uh, Also, uh, that was from Roman, and then Shannon throws out Trent Dilfer, former Brown Trent Dilfer. Oh, he also threw out a third name, Brad Johnson, for the Bucks. So, uh, I guess that's where they are. But Rory, he agrees with you, Doug. Uh, Jeffrey. Jeffrey says, as much as I don't like it, Ellis is 100% correct. I love this. I love the, the arguing that I'm putting out here through the chat. Uh, and then Shannon, not here, Doug. I'm ecstatic about this dilemma. <laughs> well, isn't, isn't I don't know if offense, that's a positive or a negative. <laughs> isn't this
4: offense supposed to be one where Baker Mayfield doesn't have to win you games? I mean, if, if we're waiting for that, maybe maybe it shows up in, in the playoffs. You know, maybe he, he, he makes that big throw like Kirk Cousins did. I know we, 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 love bringing up Kirk cousins, but uh, you know, those moments that, that end up sealing a game or just, you know, to kind of decide things. But in the meantime, it just seems like everything is geared towards Baker, not having to be the guy who wins the game. Like if he does that a lot this year, something would be wrong. I would think.
3: Yeah, Scott, I, that's exactly it. This is who he's supposed to be. I'm just saying that to maximize your roster, eventually you're going to want the better option. If the offensive line's an A and the receivers are an A and the running back's an A and the tight end's an A and your quarterback's a B and you have a chance to possibly upgrade that B to uh, A minus along with the rest of your team, then you're going to do that. That's, that's, if we, if we're going to start nitpicking this offense, because it looks like a a team that an offense has everything else in order, it's, we got to go to the, the, what may be becoming uh, the lowest grading part of of the offense it's that simple and Les Baker takes a step that Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott took improving the talent at that position is going to be something a a GM like Andrew Barry will do if he drafts the way he talks and and drafts the way he drafts
1: his other positions it's about accumulating talent in the quarterback room shouldn't be any different I do think it can be sometimes you can think that like everybody has a Patrick Mahomes or a Dak Prescott or a Russell Wilson. And we do have to remember, I've been doing this young quarterbacks thing all year. And there's like 16 starting quarterbacks who entered the league in the last five years, right? Half of like 40% of them are good, 20% are kind of in the middle and like 40% of them are bad right? I mean, the Dredskins spent a first round pick on Dwayne Haskins. What's Daniel Jones doing with the Giants right now? What's Sam Darnold doing with the Jets right now, right? There are lots. Yes. Josh Allen looks great. Jared Goff is playing awesome early on, but, and I understand you're not trying to compare yourself to the worst teams in the league, but I just do think there's a way, there is a winning path here that involves Baker that doesn't require Baker to be one of the, 10 best quarterbacks in the league. And that might be selling the Browns short. And again, we, this is going to be a great discussion over the course of the season. But, but this works. I think this has to, the whole thing has to reach a higher level. Man, they blew the, they, they laid a, they farted their way through the whole third quarter. They tried to give this game away. The offense didn't do anything, right? So, I mean, it was awful. That third quarter was awful. But then they figured it out. They came back, they won. So this version at a higher level, I think can work but this exact version is not going to get it done for the rest of the year. They still got to be better than this.
2: Uh, I'll say this. I, I think that if we're really looking for something to be concerned about today, and this is weird to say after a day when they force so many turnovers, I still think the defense is the area where we have to look at and say, uh, I'm a little nervous about that uh, because this Washington offense has not been good. Uh, I think they were 30th in DVOA coming into this game. And, and then when you just watched them, you saw that, if they had long fields they couldn't do a whole lot uh, and this defense gave them a whole lot today uh, and, and if it weren't for Dwayne Haskins throwing that ball to those defenders uh you know maybe if, if Tavier Thomas doesn't fall uh, on that fumble from Carl Joseph it's it's a different game so you know look Dak Prescott and that Dallas offense is going to be better than what the Browns face today so was, so is Indianapolis Oakland has, has certainly looked good here in the first couple weeks so I think the bigger concern is probably how this defense is going to translate from, you know, can they build on this? Keep forcing turnovers, you know, turnover luck is what it is. Uh, but, but can they shore up some things as they start to get healthier? And and that that's kind of the area from this game that I come away concerned with. That's I, I think that's a bigger concern probably than you know, Baker Mayfield going 16 for 23 and, and having a 117-3 rating, even if I, I do think that line is a little bit misleading. what we saw at Baker.
3: Dan it's a huge concern because if Washington doesn't throw three interceptions today they actually had a decent game plan of attacking this Browns defense and this game's a lot closer and a better team is going to take a similar game plan to this move the ball down the field and keep scoring points a lot like what Cincinnati was able to do so the Browns are going to have to keep scoring in the 30s for them to win football games and that again goes back to the discussion we just wrapped up with Baker Mayfield in the offense.
2: We're going to put the wraps on this here. Uh, Mike Sweeney was at the game. How about that? Comes home from the game, jumps on this Zoom with us and and jumps in the chat. He says, Ellis is not wrong. That said, I was at the game today and fan reaction seemed constrained for sure. Looking forward to the article tomorrow, Doug. Very happy to have a win. So look, it is a win. They're 2-1. and Before we leave, everybody's got to say something good. This is like, I don't know, it's like a counseling session or something. We got to say something good before we leave because the Browns won a football game. And I feel like that took a little bit of a turn for the negative there in that, in that last half. So we got to end this on a positive note. Everybody has to say something good. Who wants to go first?
3: I got it. Just because everyone's on my butt about this crap. (laughs) Before Doug got in here, I actually did start with a positive note and I'll just repeat it. This is a serious playoff contending team. They, They have a real chance of making the playoffs when you can run the ball like that. And you're efficient in the red zone you're a good football team. So Browns fans enjoy this and the road to the playoffs is is in front of you guys. it's, It's possible.
1: I'll say that they blew that lead in the third quarter and they could have turtled. They could have fallen apart. They could have given this game away and we could have been talking right now about a disastrous loss against a bad team. And instead they did what they had to do. They, they did what they had to do defensively. They did move the ball. They did convert convert in the red zone and in, and in that way, I mean, I, I thought it was very encouraging to blow it and not fall apart because I, I think maybe in many years past we would have expected, like, that was it. How about special teams? No one's brought that there up yet. JoJo Nansen, I think, is
4: sixth in the league with his one uh, kickoff return this year for 31 yards. And then Cody Parker keeps hitting it out of the end zone, which the Browns finally figured out, hey, everybody's doing that to us. Maybe we should, uh, <laughs> Maybe we should try that too. No kickoff returns. Nothing to worry about from the other team today, so I think that was a that was a good positive for for my pre group.
2: And, and we finally saw JoJo Nats get that touch on the end around that they've been teasing us with all season long, and then JoJo Natsy goes and, and gets hurt. So we'll yeah. see. But I, I got to say something positive, not injuries. I'll, I'll just go back to this: they finished. They figured out a way to get the lead, and when they got that lead, they finished on both sides of the football. That's what you got to do, no matter how you play. When you get that lead and you have a chance to get a strip sack, run the football down a team's throat. You do it, you finish, you get the win. Uh, that's my, my positive from this game. Like, it looks like you have one more thing to say.
1: No, I just, uh, uh, in the chat room, someone's saying something positive. Roman said, we're not Detroit.
2: See, there's that. <laughs> all right, that'll do it for uh, our post-game edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast with our Football Insider subscribers. We uh, appreciate all of you. Subscribing, participating, whether you jumped in, whether you were just sitting and listening. Uh, if you hear this uh, podcast, you want get on these post-game shows, you text 216-208-3965. I remembered the number this time. You can start a 14-day free trial. That'll get you into a couple of these post-game shows if you like what you hear. So uh, check that out. Uh, thanks to Mary Kay for kicking it off. Ellis, Scott, and Doug for joining us. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.